Hello there, I am Kid Champagne Matthew Haberman, and today we're back for another edition of Nostalgia Time. And this time we're talking about another Nickelodeon favorite, uh, which was part of my beloved, our beloved Snick, legendary Snick lineup back in the day and back in the 90s. It's the horror anthology series, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Are You Afraid of the Dark? A children's horror mystery and anthology show that aired on Nickelodeon. The first run aired on from 1990 to 1996, followed by another revival in 1999-2000, and again in 2019 going forward. And so, so then, so how it is in the original run, um, tales were told by the specific group, the Midnight Society. And it was a group of kids that gather in the woods, in the dark, with a campfire. And each time, one of the members tells a scary tale. And the storyteller sits in this specific chair, the which is guarded as the storyteller's chair. They tell a little bit of intro of what their story is. And then they always have to... Start with the with the saying submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story. So tonight I bring with me my members of my own Midnight Society. I have with me first my good friend, and he is the host of Unger the Radar. My co-host, my good friend Randy Unger. Randy, how are you? I'm good, Matt. Thanks so much for having me back. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, and we have fun. We have a lot to talk about. And Thanks. also with me, I have two good fans of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Are You Afraid of the Dark? For my other current Midnight Society members. First, Forrest Bennett. Forrest, how are you? Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. And also, my good friend, the head of Cult Cafe. Midnight Society member Matt Roran. Matt, how are you? I'm good. Great to be here. That's awesome. Now, for this, I'm going to be giving my story, and I'm going to be starting it off. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story The Tale of the Champagne Pop. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're popping off the champagne tonight. So first off, I give for how how the runs with the Midnight Society. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the Midnight Society in a minute. But first, my question is, um, uh, how um, are you afraid of the dark? How you became a fan? What did you like about this show? Um, start, uh, Randy. Start with you. So I guess some of my earlier memories of the show were probably around 1994 when my parents got cable for the first time and I was basically immediately hooked on Nickelodeon's programming, particularly uh, weekday afternoons. And I think that's around the time I saw uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, every weekday afternoon after school, um, it was just a nice little... Uh, it was really scary at the time when you're like, you know, nine nine years old, uh, eight or nine. But, you know, it's such a great show because it introduces kids to horror in a very um, appropriate way. You know, it's not like gratuitous violence. 
Um, it's not overly scary. It's just creepy enough for a kid to enjoy. And uh, yeah, it, it was definitely one of my favorite shows growing up. Oh, definitely. <laughs> it was one of my favorite shows growing up as well, especially when it was Saturday nights on Nickelodeon on SNCC. It always aired at 9.30. It was one of my favorite ones at the night. And probably one, it's like, if it was so scary, it's like, I would have to sleep with my lights on. <laughs> uh, Forrest, what what made you become a fan of Are You Afraid of the Dark? All right, so I pretty much grew up with Nickelode- I grew up with Nickelodeon, like from the time I was in diapers and up until middle somewhere up until middle somewhere in middle school. Uh, those were my prime, you know, late eighties through early aughts. That was those were my prime Nick watching years. Um, and uh, for me, and I remember seeing, I remember first seeing the ads for it um, with Professor with uh, Doctor Vink <laughs> at, asking the viewers if they were afraid of the dark. Uh, that's what kind of got me. What kind of caught, what kind of per, per my caught my attention. Um, I, I I occasionally watch would occasionally watch it on Saturday nights during SNCC, but, but my memories of it were mostly watching it on weekday afternoons after school, like Randy. And uh, for me, th- this show, along with Universal Studios, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, along with Universal Studios Monsters and Goosebumps, was my gateway drug was my gateway drug to horror. And now, and now here I am. Like twenty something years later, and I am like a and I am a diehard horror nut. Um, oh, I can definitely see it, and um, you know, we see right in your background, we see Zebo the clown. And are you a fan of Zebo? <laughs> but um, but yeah, I was. But yeah, I agree. But yeah, I agree. I largely agree with a lot. Randy, you know, it was a good. You know, it was a good. It was actually a very a good intro. Good intro. I feel like for a lot of kids, a lot of kids, it was a good introduction to horror. It was you know had a lot of you know. And it was appropriate enough that you, that you could watch it without being traumatized mm-hmm. at a young age, but still be creeped out. It had a lot of and it had you know had a lot of atmosphere for such a for a show with such limited budget. For, for I mean, watching it now, it has some. You could tell it's got there's some. You could tell that uh, it was it had some but some like but production like uh, like budgetary um, I guess uh, issues or constraints. Um, but still, it's still, it's still, there's a lot of, you know, it's still a lot of atmosphere, you know, it's still a lot of uh, creepy. There's still, they were still able to do a lot with, with not, with not a lot. True. But uh, although, I, although I kind of noticed watching it, not watching it earlier today, that those Canadian accents really creep in. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, to Matt Roan. Um, you're a fan of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Tell me your experience yeah, with it. I, I mean, I grew up. Uh, uh, like obsessed with anthology shows uh, I mean you know from watching Twilight Zone and like Alfred Hitchcock presents on like Nick and Night uh, watching you know I mean the 80s were like we we had uh, so many anthology shows amazing stories Tales from the Dark Side Monsters uh, Freddy's Nightmares Tales of the Crypt Tales, Tales of the Crypt 1989 and this this was a nice continuation into the 90s uh, you know, the 90s, besides, I mean, you had Tales from the Crypt was still on, and then until 95, you had Outer Limits came back, but, uh, besides that, the 90s were, were, were kind of when the anthology kind of, kind of disappeared, at least from, from non-cable, uh, because, uh, Outer Limits was on Showtime, Tales from the Crypt was on HBO, so this was, like, the only, like, 
like basic cable anthology show that was current. And uh, I love the framing of the show that it had this constant, uh, you know, campfire tales uh, opening. I love the, you know, how they took from uh, the Twilight Zone the submitted for your approval uh, and kind of like brought that into what they say is the opening. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It had that, uh, it was like, yeah, not less scary, but kind of zany. Yeah. Um, it, you know, elements of like, say, like Eerie Indiana, which I was also a very big fan of. Like where the, the you know, it was just like a, a kooky monster of the week kind of thing. And like, you know, it had that kind of vibe to it. And I just thought it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It was... It was a lot of fun. And I enjoy Are You Afraid of the Dark from all those tales. I mean, we relate to Are You Afraid of the Dark like the same. The Twilight Zone and Goosebumps, they all they all hold it to us. But, I mean, uh, a Twilight Zone was not in our time. That was from the past. I mean, Goosebumps was, but I still feel like it... It didn't hold. It didn't hold up from what it what it could be. Yeah. Are you afraid say, of the dark? I would say with Goosebumps, it was all about the book. The, book, the books were better than the show. Much better. Yeah, they because you 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 would see the episodes for the your favorite book, and they really did not do the books justice at all, in my opinion. Yeah. Like what was going on in my imagination was so much better than what they put out on TV. <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I still think if I still think it was good. I did enjoy the Goosebumps show because I was a fan of the books, but nothing was nothing stood out more than "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" And I just love. And just to think about it, like how cool would it be to like just have a bunch, like a few of your good friends, go to the woods, sit in a campfire, and just tell a scary tale? Like how awesome would that be? It would, but I don't think I'd go into like you know Forest Park or Central Park uh, and do that. It just doesn't sound very safe. But back in the '90s, in like you know suburbia, yeah, yeah, perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, where I grew up, there was there, you know we were always in the woods next to my house. You know, like you know like a couple blocks from where my parents lived, we hung out in the, those woods all the time. That would have been a perfect place for it. I'm sure people did stuff like that there. There were Always, you know, you could tell little fires were set up, so. Unfortunately, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs, but unfortunately there's no woods, there weren't any woods near me, and no, I had no friends nearby to gather for a campfire story, so, but that would, but I wish I could have been able to do stuff like that growing up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And my friends, uh, we, we all, you know, would go over each other's houses and watch anthology shows. <laughs> We'd watch the shows instead of uh, campfire. The next best thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. So as we know from the show, I mean, we all know from the theme song is not, and when the matches go on, Are You Afraid of the Dark comes out, and then we see the Midnight Society. So I want to get for the, you know, there were rules in the Midnight Society. So in the rules for joining the Midnight Society, a current member can bring a candidate to a meeting to tell uh, a story. To the for awaiting initiation, and the candidate is blindfolded so they don't know the trail into the campfire ring. Um, 
And then once after they tell their tale, the members have to vote whether to ex- for his acceptance. And the vote had to be unanimous acceptance or else they are not in the Midnight Society. And which came to, um, we learned that, which we will be talking about in the first tale um, in a little bit. But, um, you know, looking at the Midnight Society, the, um, the, you know, those members are only in there for such a short time. But they... Um, the creators and the directors they gave them some good characteristics for for the show they had some good characters like um, uh, one of them the leader of the Midnight Society Gary you know he was all, um, all into magic so we had like all this with magic and we all know that most of his um, tales had the recurrence of one actor that um, I like Mr. Sardo <laughs> No mister. Emphasis on the dough. <laughs> and, I mean, we'll, we'll be getting into that in a moment. Well, actually, uh, Sardo was played by Richard M. Dumont. And he was owner of Sardo's Magic Mansion store. And he would... Um, Basically, he was more like trying to make money, um, but he also had like, you know, some like these special magic. He sold like these powerful magic uh, items, which involved in many of those stories. Uh, uh, I'll just put it out there. Um, Randy and I today, and it will be uh, exclusive on Unger the Radar's channel on YouTube. Randy and I, we had the privilege to interview Richard M. Dumont, the actor who played Sardo in Are You Afraid of the Dark, as well as uh, uh, DJ McHale, the creator, the co-creator of Are You Afraid of the Dark, and Jason and Jason, who played Frank as a Midnight in the Midnight Society. Jason Alice Sharon. Sharon, Sharon, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, um, Randy. Uh, I mean, it was such a, it was just such a great time uh, interviewing them today, uh, and I've learned so much from the show. Uh, Randy, what did you think of it? I mean, you know, it's really your love for the show, Matt. I mean, I love the show too, but I think you like it a little bit more than I do, uh, and. That- <laughs> That prompted me to reach out to some of the talent involved with the show. And, yeah, like you said, we were very honored, very privileged and lucky to um, to score this interview, this group interview. And um, I think, you know, we learned some great things. Um, There's some nice little tidbits behind the scenes stuff from the co-creator. Um, we got a really nice, um, some good anecdotes from all three of them. And, uh, you know, it, it really... It, it actually increased my appreciation for the show, um, talking to these three guys who were so like instrumental in bringing this show into our lives, into our childhood. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was just, it was a really great interview. And, and I've learned so much. Actually, we'll be talking about one of the episodes from uh, Jason Alli- uh, Sharon, um, what I've learned about it today. So it will be discussed, and I want to... I'm not going to spoil anything right now as we get into the show, but we will be talking about that specific episode. Um, 
as well, but just learning about the stories from what uh, what they've gone through. Um, and DJ was just a, an elite leader in directing it and just so dedicated with the shows. And every actor was just dedicated to him. It was just amazing. Yeah. To have that, like, we really spoke to the collaboration on set and that is paramount in any film or tv product project um if every all the actors all the crew are getting along they're gonna put you know across a great product and you know like i said are you afraid of the dark it's a great show and it it, it could it really is a testament to collaboration and the spirit of teamwork so yeah again great interview very illuminating glad we did it and especially and i was always a fan of sardo from are you afraid of the dark i just love for what he brought to the table and how with his experience from it um it was just amazing but actually i want to talk about another thing too how many of you um to met or as far as have you ever been to montreal canada Yes. Uh, I've never been to Montreal. No. Yeah, I went there once. I went there once for a heavy metal festival several years ago. Nice. Right. <laughs> I mean, we know that Are You Afraid of the Dark was mostly filmed across, across Canada, from, I think from like Vancouver and Montreal. Um, what, yeah, uh, according, to, well, according to Joanna Garcia, who played Sam uh, for the last three, I think the last three seasons of the original of the first run uh the show was shot in montreal uh, that's what she or at least that's what i wrote in, i think that's what she said in the book in uh in the book slime which is about the golden the slime the golden age of nickelodeon uh if you ever read that book is that also a documentary forest uh i think it did turn into a documentary but it started out as a book it started out as a book right uh, and they were talking to a lot of nickelodeon personalities from the 80s and 90, interviewing a lot of nickelodeon personalities from the 80s and 90s well, I was being. I actually went to one of the "Are You Afraid of the Dark" filming locations after being there from it. Um, the amusement park, which was shot from like from the tale of Laughing in the Dark, and also from the miniseries from the second revival of the Tale of the Silver Sight for Playland, was done at the amusement park La Ronde, which was in Montreal. And I remember going. To, I remember going there. Cool. I went there when I was on summer teen tours and like, and then when I I looked back and when it, when they showed us like, that looks like La Ronde. it Wasn't is. That, is that is that a music park in like in Park Jean Drapeau? Hmm. The the amusement park isn't that in in Park Jean Drapeau? Uh, in in Park Jean Drapeau? I'm trying to think of the location. Um... I'm trying to I, I'm trying to figure out from where it is, but I know it's like in like the, the city center of Montreal, like right okay. off. Like you can see it off from like the Montreal Bridge, like when you're entering the city, it's right off from it. Because as you know, Montreal is kind of like Manhattan, a, a city yeah. on a big island. That's Montreal. Now the show the show was based and filmed in Canada. Um, but there also were a lot of sets, a lot of sound stages, according to DJ McHale. Um, but were there a lot of locations that they used, uh, like actual locations in Canada that they used? They used some on the city streets in Montreal. 
as well as okay. Vancouver. And I think Toronto. They use some in Toronto. But all oh, again, it was just—it was such a great time talking with them today. Um, it was just amazing, especially yep. for um, all that I've experienced and all I learned. So, Randy, I want to thank you for um, for getting them together for this. It was great, and we you know what? This is what this is what nostalgia time is. We collaborate. We pop the champagne. We try to get guests to inter to interview to just celebrate their work and for the love. That's what I love to do with nostalgia time. So you'll be seeing. So we're going to try. We're going to be try to see a lot more of these in the in the times to come for our talent interviews, and they will be released only on YouTube on the Unger the Radar channel. Now yep. get. Now, getting into this, you know, we talked about um, Sardo from Are You Afraid of the Dark? But there is another recurring character in a lot of um, in a lot of episodes, actually, from the start. And that's uh, Dr. Vink. <laughs> With a V. V. <laughs> yeah, everyone thinks like Dr. Think. No, Vink. With a V, V, V. <laughs> and that was yes. played by Aaron Tager. And he was... Uh, thank, uh, thank you for that, Farce. Um, he would often appear as a mad scientist or a sorcerer or, um, and the like when he um, enters and when he introduces himself, he says, Vink's the name, Dr. Vink. <laughs> and then the, and the other characters go, Dr. Think, Vink, with a vuh, vuh, vuh. <laughs> Because everyone mispronounced, and then as he's looking, he's like kind of crazy, and then they, they, you see that the characters go, "Is he a nutbag?" <laughs> I can't believe they use that that dialogue for a kids show. That seems a little risque. It does. <laughs> it's <was> Canada. <laughs> the rules are different. <laughs> I mean, this is the country that gave us Terrence and Philip. <laughs> and. You know, after like hearing for what he um, what he has to say, depending on what his occupation, because we see Doctor Vink go from um, like a mad scientist to uh, a, play, a a film director or even a chef. Yeah. Yes. So he's like not just he was not like this. He was like your um one a, a guy that wears many hats. Oh, I'm gonna say that. I, I think that's. But one thing after, like he all says, and when he does, he goes, I am not a nutbag. <laughs> but do you guys really think he is a nutbag? <laughs> He's out there, for sure. <laughs> Eccentric, maybe. Is He's a bag of something. I don't know if it's nuts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> An eccentric and a jack of all trades. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> no, but I think. That that was one character that I also love. Also, um, Aaron, he also played in. Actually, um, he wasn't in his Doctor Vink character, but he was also in the the tale of Laughing in the Dark when he was um, introduction when people go into Laughing in the Dark. He goes, it's the most fun in the park when you're laughing in the dark. And he also did like the voice of Zebo. Give it back. Right here. 
<laughs> so uh, I'm glad that they kept him on for that kind of, for that kind of character, and I think it it really grew. Um, Are you afraid of the dark? If it wasn't for the characters of Sardo and Doctor Vink, I, I I don't know where Are you afraid of the dark would be um, without those two because they made that show. And it will prove to show when we interview the tale of Cutter's treasure, which was the one where both of those characters interact in the show. Yeah, I mean that's, a, that's something Nickelodeon and, and it's like oh, they're all Canadian shows. They were so good at at these adult actors that grounded these you know these children cast. Like we talked about with the Alex Mack show, you know, you had a great ensemble of adult actors who were working amongst it. I mean, you had uh, you can't do that on television. That's uh, long. The guy who played Barth and that's, uh, that's and that's yeah, yeah, like you know, it's, you always need like that that you know. <laughs> that like stable adult to kind of like like grounded or even or even mark summers on double dare yeah yeah and even sometimes the the adult characters are less mature than the actual right. kid exactly. <laughs> the perspective thing <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's i mean it was it was all great i um, and we do need those um, certain characters in to stable the story. We do. <laughs> we have no choice. <laughs> so going um, going into it, um, um, we're going to have now our episode reviews. We're going to start with the very first episode which is, of the first season, which is The Tale of the Phantom Cab. Um, this was done, actually, um, uh, the storyteller on this one was Frank, and this was his initiation story into the, this is what's whole introduction of the Midnight Society, how a member gets initiated in all the rules of the Midnight Society, so it tells that as well. So in this, um, the tale of the Phantom Cap, um, it had two, uh, where two brothers, um, who often fight? Uh, who often fight a lot? Um, they decide to take a hike in the woods, and at some point in uh, in there, they they get lost and they ruin their map and their compass um, misdirection. So they get lost in the woods, and they find themselves um, where they find a, a cave um, where they find Doctor Vink. The introduction of Dr. Vink. Vink's the name. Dr. Vink. And in this, um, uh, in order to help them find their way out, he wants them to solve a riddle. However, uh, one of them was younger that he didn't, um, he, he was good at solving riddles, but he couldn't quite figure what it, uh, the riddle was, which was, um, if you take... Uh, you have to take something out of the barrel to make it lighter. And what is it to solve the riddle? Um, but they couldn't solve the riddle, and Dr. Vink um, could, can't help them anymore. But hints in that um, if they go to a certain point in the woods, that there will be a taxi cab um, that can pick them up. So the two boys go to um, that area, and... 
there is a cab. So they get in to turn back to town, but it turns out to be this, um, their guide that led him to Dr. Vink in the first place. And then tells him that, um, he, he was the one that took his hand and tell him about for the cab is like, well, I sort of died. And they had to solve, and they had to make sure that they solved the riddle before they crashed into a tree. And which they did. And suddenly the cops come to um, take them back home. And I thought this story was right because it started, it started the series of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I do think it was a great story. What did you guys think? Starting with you, Randy. Um... I just remember a lot of fog in the woods, very creepy atmosphere, a very appropriate way to start this series off. Um, it really established the tone for pretty much the rest of the series. Uh, the, the child actors, not great. Um, the two brothers, they were, from what I remember, pretty annoying, but we went along with the ride anyway. Uh, the riddles were very uh, intelligent. I, I really like that that type of stuff. Like Die Hard with a Vengeance, they had you know solve all these riddles to save their lives. Um, so I think it was a, a, a pretty strong introduction to the show. Um, the the acting, aside from Doctor Vink, not that great, but overall a good episode. That's good. Uh, Forrest, what did you think of it? Uh, well, okay. This is um, actually first. I just want to point out a bit of, a bit of trivia. Um, the actually the actor playing the older brother is is Jacob Tremblay's father. Oh, really? Yes, that's the young boy from the Predator, right? Uh, the Predator Room. Uh, I think he was in Good Boys, also. Yep, that's a that's a funny movie. By but the yeah, way. That, but yeah, like, but yeah, the actor playing his old, playing the older brother in this episode was his is his father is his real life father. Oh wow, weird. <laughs> um, but um. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, this is actually one of the episodes I remember very well because of uh, only because of that part where uh, uh, where when when uh, Vink is is looking for a specimen and he pulls out of that jar with the severed hand that that all that was pretty much etched in my mind right away. That was etched in my mind right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I agree. It definitely set the tone. It definitely sets the tone for the rest of the series. And you know, walking around the woods in the middle at night alone. But definitely, it's definitely. I feel. I feel like for any young kid, for any young kid, that must be, uh, you know, or especially back, or a young kid back then with no GPS, um, <laughs> would be would be a very would be very intense an intense experience, um, and and uh, yeah, that's and no, and then also getting in that cab, then getting in that, but and then getting in that cab with a with a dead guy. Holy shit! Holy shit! It's <laughs> it's been a, it's, it's been a while for us to watch the show. So, but. Um, yeah, this this was yeah. This is definitely one of the ones that, were, that I remember. The remember right away, I remember very well. Um, just for that, just for this, but just yeah, just for the severed hand, just for the severed hand, the, the cab driver's severed hand. Like and like the fact that and now looking back, now looking back, it's like they showed they actually showed that on they actually did they actually showed that on a kids show. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I, I mean, at that time in the nineties. You could get away with anything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
Yeah. Well, you, you could get away with, with crude humor, but like stuff, but like a severed hand. But and yeah, there was uh, yeah, cartoons were. I mean, yeah, there were car- cartoons were a lot more violent back then. But like, cartoons were a lot more violent. Yeah. Let's talk about Ren and Stimpy. That will be another topic that we'll have on our show. Ren and Stimpy at the time. If you want to talk. In the times of that in the 90s, Nickelodeon, it was like setting the bar like what you could get away with. Well, that was that was the whole reason that you know Snake existed. Was basically was like, we need a time slot for Ren and Stimpy. It can't be during the day when kids watch it. <laughs> and they were like, alright, let's do adult programming. For children. <laughs> right, look, at, look at episodes. I mean, you look at you can't do that on television. There's a lot of bits there that you can't oh, yeah. now. Like the firing squad sketches. Oh, yeah. I mean, and how many of those where it's like they have fake cigarettes and stuff like that. Like, just little minor things. They're like drinking and smoking in sketches. Like, where it's like you could, couldn't even do that on a, a kid's... You can't uh, do that on television now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You couldn't do it on television now. Then you could get away with it. <laughs> no doubt. Nice. Uh, Matt, what did you think of the episode? Yeah, say, I mean, same thing with Forrest. I mean, it was like for for your first exposure to the show, that hand in the sever jar, like, it's like when I think of the show, I think of yeah. think holding that hand in a jar. And, you know, getting into the cab and the cab driver just stating that, like, he's reliving this accident over and over again. You know, it's like, it's like, that's the kind of thing that's, you know, sticks with you. It is, you know, it's, it was definitely a good introduction for the show. Oh, definitely. And our next episode was, that I had everyone review was the tale of the super specs. And this one was the introduction of the beloved Sardo. No, mister <laughs> accent on the dough. <laughs> And this involved a prankster named Weeds who buys a pair of novelty glasses from Sardo's magic shop called the Super Specs. And in it, like the Super Specs, when you put them on, um, shows um, people from another dimension. Um, And in this alternate universe is popular by figures in black that are looking to merge with the known universe unless... Sardo can close the door between the two dimensions by doing a seance. And it it was pretty good. I I do like that because I mean it was kind of like a little bit scary with like those super specs. I'm like, ooh, this is scary, don't put them on. Like it's kind of scary. And then how we learn from it and um what DJ and uh, Richard said for how they did that episode is like they had people like really moving the table like on on like a board. There was no CGI for doing these episodes. There was like absolutely yeah. no CGI during during these episodes at this time. This was all uh, man made, and how they were doing it, they did it on a tight budget. So. Uh, just the creativity alone in all these episodes was just amazing. Uh, Randy, what did you think of the episode? So, I actually rewatched it uh, maybe about a week or so ago uh, in preparation for tonight. And what struck me immediately is that it borrowed a lot from, it, it really felt like it borrowed a lot from John Carpenter's They Live. <laughs> <laughs> 
which was a really fun uh, 80s horror, sci-fi, not horror, sci-fi comedy thriller uh, with the specs that basically when you put them on, you could see like sort of an alternate version of what's really there. And um, that's the thing that I loved about this episode is that, you know, it came out after They Live, so I'm, I'm hoping that they they use they live as inspiration because that would be amazing but um again with the um like you mentioned matt the visual effects were very simple at the time they didn't have to rely on uh, cgi which was amazing uh I, I i'm all for practical effects i think they add to the authenticity of any film or tv show so for our for this show to do that is, is very very cool so i'm glad that they went that way Oh yeah, I'm glad they went that way too, and I just love that creativity. Uh, Forrest, what did you think of that uh, this episode? Yeah, that's it's interesting that you point out. You point out that uh, the they live uh, like you know, I hadn't seen they live when this episode aired. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and this is and uh, yeah, I mean, this is probably not the Revis is probably not the first episode of I think of when I think of Sardo though. Um, but yeah, I like I, yeah, I like yeah, yeah, I like but yeah, I really I really liked uh, this one. This one was definitely more was definitely more on the uh, on the tw- as far as yeah. like which as far as anthol- you know co- to compare it to more adult anthologies, it was definitely more on the Twilight Zone sort- side of things in terms of just being more of a strange, weird story than a straight up scary one. Uh, and uh, actually, actually what, what interesting thing I just I was thinking of was like you know back in the early night you know. Back in the early, you know, back in the early '90s, you know, apart from like her and Kirk's kissing in the original Star Trek series, you didn't see a lot of interracial relationships on TV at the time. And this one, you've got a black kid, you know, dating uh, a white girl, and it's done very. And they're and it's, they're completely casual, and they're it's complete portrayed completely ca- uh, casually, like Canada. <laughs> I'm American, that's why. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's great to see, especially on a children's show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, normalizing it. You know, instead, I mean, even if they did it on 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 you know, eighties you know sitcoms, but it always became like such a you know, the episode was about that. Where it's like I can't believe, episode. I can't believe you're dating a you know. Whereas like this is just like it's happening. Yep. And it's there. They're not mentioning it. <laughs> you know, it's it's because it's normal. <laughs> yeah, you definitely need that in, in, inclusiveness or inclusive. Yeah. Um, especially that, that's, that's one of the great things with you know most of Nickelodeon shows being Canadian productions was you know it, it definitely like growing up on that we got to see a lot more diversity. Yeah, uh, Nick, than we were used to. Yeah, Nick always had a very yeah. Nick's always had a very progressive streak. Yeah. Oh, they did in the nineties and in the early two thousands. I still, still, I'd say they still do. Uh, they, uh, granted, I don't watch it as much. You know, I don't. I'm not watching the network like I did back then. But I'm pretty sure they still do stuff like that. In the ways for how it things, but um, Paramount and Viacom they did dip down the hill. At a certain point, which I will get into. They made it more corporate, so. Um, but on that note, I do think it was uh, one of a very creative episode. 
And, you know, um, you know, one thing about Are You Afraid of the Dark? There are some tales that are really not so scary, and then tales that were really, really scary. And yeah. one tale that I felt that was really, really scary is the tale of the Quicksilver. And this one with the, with the tale of the... With the Quicksilver. And they had special guest um, Tatiana Ali. 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 As well as Stuart Stone, um, a famous musician right now. And not only that, but what I've learned today from that episode alone is that uh, Jason Alishar's brother was in that episode as well. So it was just mind blown that I that I haven't even known that, but it was it was kind of like a nice feeling, like hey, like brothers are getting involved in the show. It was kind of cool, but still, this is one of the one that scares me the most is the tale of the Quicksilver. So with the tale of the Quicksilver, it starts um, where um, Tatiana's character, um, she uh, Laura. She does a seance because the house is haunted by a certain ghost. And she tries to get rid of it by doing sort of magic. And nothing goes right. And the, the room catches on fire. And it was known that she died. About a couple few years later, um, the house is sold um, to a family with, with, two, um, with two brothers... Um, and weird things started happening in the house. They know, like, it's being haunted. Um, but it was not just haunted by, um, this creepy ghost. It was also haunted by Laura's ghost as well, but they don't even know that. And, um, when the, when the ghost of Laura was trying to haunt, uh, know that she is the Quicksilver, which, which they learned is that she is... A friendly ghost that leaves a little cue wherever they haunt and gives them warnings about that there is a terrible ghost. And when the ghost comes out and tries again, I'm like, I just saw like, oh my god, this this ghost is really, really creepy. <laughs> and then, what is it? Um, the character Aaron, which was played by um, Jason's brother. Um, they go to school and uh, meets with Connie, who was actually Laura's twin sister. And they go, um, and she explains of what happened to the house that, you know, the, was haunted, that she used a thing of magic. So they decide to get, uh, to finish what Laura started by getting rid of the ghost. To do the same kind of ritual. But at the start, it was going, it was going the same way, like, what did they did wrong? And it goes like, and the ritual was goes to 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 tame the creature, op, open a trace a door with chalk so white, burn incense, and the terms were locabarius locarati creature darkness come to me, and they tried to tie an oak tied with silver with, uh, and they tried to enter a special magical amulet locabarius locaradet, but it wasn't working. Until Doug knows that the the spoon was not silver, it was steel. So he takes her his wings that were silver. I command you, stay where you are. Locabarius locaradet. 
a companion into the amulet, and the bad ghost was therefore no more. And I still feel like it was a really, really scary. I mean, it scared, it scared the hell out of me. And that night when that came on, I, I slept with the lights on because I felt like so scared from that, like I was going to get a nightmare. Um, Randy, what did you think of that episode? Uh, extremely disturbing, uh, complex. I remember the, the ghost being pretty frightening as well. So that kind of leaves an everlasting impression in your mind. Um, I also want to praise Tatiana Ali's performance. I think she was really good in this. And I think she was doing this around the same time, like the first two seasons had already passed, or they were in the middle of the first two seasons of Fresh Prince. Uh, and they really gave her a great opportunity to show off her acting chops, which I think she did a really great job. And um, yeah, aside from you know her acting and the disturbing ghost, uh, it was a really, this was a particularly dark story, really, really freaky, like the fire, the scenes, you know, of that, uh, coupled with the ghost, um, just overall very powerful and unforgettable. Yeah, definitely. I gotta tell you, it was, it was kind of disturbing, but it's one thing, like, how much can you, can you push the barrier? And that's what Are You Afraid of the Dark did. It's how much can you push it? Like, on a, on a Disney... This would not qualify for Disney. I mean, this would be thrown out if this was Disney. I mean, this you would see on Fox. I would see that. This can definitely be picked up by Fox. Like, this kind of... But, hey, it, it worked for Nickelodeon. <laughs> uh, Forrest, what did you think of it? Yeah, I definitely. This is definitely one of the stronger. This was definitely one of the stronger, the strongest episodes. And uh, yeah, it was interesting seeing Tatiana Ali doing a more seri- doing a more serious role, at, at, especially at that time. Um, oh God, I'm trying to think if I'm just, my memories get my. I just watched the episode today, but my memories getting a little logged uh, log right now. Um, but. Uh, I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got. Well, circle back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, what did you think of it? Yeah, the, I mean, this is definitely one of the more standout uh, episodes because it's like I don't know how long I actually watched the show when it aired because uh, I was I was getting a little long in the tooth uh, when it was on, but uh, I, I do remember this episode specifically. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, as, as far as these episodes go, like. The writing of this episode is is solid. Uh, this is definitely one of the the, the better written episodes, uh, and the acting was was pretty fantastic. And yeah, that the, the image of, of that ghost and like the the look on, on on the ghost's face when like the ghost realizes that like they're got they got it right, and it's like they cut to it. It's like kind of like a. It's just like I don't know. There's spine tingling, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is this is definitely you know one of the 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 uh, uh, prize catches of, of the show. This one is is definitely stand out. And going back to the to the ghost, that makeup yeah. job 
is insane. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, and you can tell from what DJ said, like everyone was dedicated and took the pride in their work. (laughs) Kudos to the makeup team; they did a hell of a job. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. It's it'll haunt your dreams. It will haunt your dreams. Um, And I'm just going to put out a recommendation for anyone who's listening and wants to. I definitely recommend showing these or having your kids watch these episodes. Uh, But some of them are for caution, especially the tale of the Quicksilver. I recommend of an age of nine. That can watch this. I'm gonna go with an age of nine. I don't. I don't know about you, Matt. I don't know. I think seven. Huh? I'd say seven. seven. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would say. I mean, my 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 nine year old. I mean, I'm thinking about my nine year old just watched Children of the Corner with me. So uh, <laughs> uh, I think she's ready for this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was I saw Sleepwalkers when it first oh. came. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think oh I was seven. Yeah, no. Um, that I, confused the hell out of me when it came out. It's freaky, but um, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm terrified, but I think for a different reason. Uh, <laughs> like what? Yeah, but I think yeah, I think like eight or nine is appropriate. I'd say for for this, for sure. Yeah, I think so. On another scary tale that I had everyone watch, the tale of the water demons. (laughs) Now we know uh, for what it is, is that two cousins, well, one of the cousins um, was sent to live uh, with his uncle and his little cousin that owned a store in a nice little small um, ocean seaside town. Bored out of his mind because he was getting into trouble, and thought that maybe spending the summer would change, would change up his attitude. Um, and one one time they get sent from their store is delivery of coffee um, to this old sailor collector, um, a sea captain who lives uh, near, um, um, right off the shore of the water, and. As they get there, you know, he's all jittery because he hasn't really slept in, like, I, I'm, I'm going to say months. Because he is cursed because of haunting of water demons. Ghosts that want to take him back to their watery grave for taking um, taking their va- for their valuable possessions as he was cursed. Because what it was is that um, in the story, if something doesn't belong to you, it's don't take it. Even in their dead, they don't want their stuff to be taken with. And he only can sleep for like a certain amount of time till they get up to the door when he's here so they can wake up. And at that time, one of the brothers, uh, one of the cousins had a fight with their uncle. So he goes out to the hammock. And at that time, the sea captain falls asleep. And the water demon comes out. And just seeing those water... And just seeing the creativity of those... Of those water zombies. I'm like, oh, this is another one. Like, those scared the... The, the crap out of me. But I wasn't scared to, to sleep with my lights on. Because I know I didn't take anything from a dead guy. So I slept with the lights. Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just seeing, like... Uh, how it was like the creativity and the known 
Um, it was just, again, another well-written story and a well-scary story. It's just the creativity and the makeup artist and for everything. It was just amazing. Uh, Randy, what did you think of it? Um, it didn't really leave as much of a lasting impression on me, but I definitely enjoyed the, um, the makeup effects once again. It actually kind of reminded me of the first creep show, the, uh, the Ted Danson segment where they basically die and turn into zombies and basically try to seek revenge on Leslie Nielsen. So I, I, I found that parallel, uh, very prevalent, um, other than other than that, um, the the acting was pretty decent. Um, you know, it was uh, it was an average episode in my mind. I, I was not really impressed with it, but except for the it's definitely the makeup effects were the main uh, high point for me. Um, Matt, what did you think of it? Well, uh, this is another uh, this is an episode. Uh, I think this is the first one out of the ones we watched uh, for this that. I did not remember. I think this is probably, this was what, season four or five, five, four or five? This was four, end of four. So I don't think I had seen this when it came out. Um, and uh, I mean, pretty much like what Randy said, I thought this was like a run-of-the-mill episode. The makeup effects were great. Um, but even I watched it today, earlier today, and I, I honestly don't re- remember too much of it. Um I thought it was an okay episode. That's good. And, yeah, well, I guess I'm the one that really likes it. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't even get to this episode. Unfortunately, I didn't even get to this episode. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I hope everyone got to this episode. Because this episode has packed with a lot of good rising guest stars from it. The Tale of Station 109.1. Guest starring um, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling, and Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, he did this and Goosebumps. <laughs> he hit both those shows, and, really? he was on, and he was on the Mickey Mouse Club at the time too. <laughs> He's <And> everywhere. <laughs> Jason well, Marsden as and Jason Marsden was in it as well. Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and what it was is that Chris, who was fascinated and obsessed with death and dying and everything with like funerals and hearses um he discovers a radio station that guides the recently deceased into the afterlife and what happens was is that um dj roy mistakenly um puts chris on the list that he was recently deceased and they had to make sure that he um he had to make sure to get out and to convince him that he wasn't dead, and that was when they tried to put him into the afterlife, and they told, "Oh, he wasn't dead yet." And also that it showed it 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 showed also a powerful tale, that you know, um, if you led a bad life, you know you're gonna live a nastier afterlife, but if you lived a good life, then there is nothing to worry about. And that also shows that, like, we should, you know, just live like we're having a good life because there will be nothing to worry about when that time comes. 
So I thought this was a great episode. It had some great guest stars. Uh, and I'm a big Gilbert Godfrey fan. And I, I mean, I loved him in Pro Problem Child. And, you know, I, I still like him for this day. And I think he's a great comedian. And I do want to see him live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to start. Matt, what did you think of this episode? Uh, this one, this was another one that I, you know I, I saw today for the first time. Uh, I got a total kick out of it. I thought this episode was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the, the, I mean, you know, Gilbert Gottfried, you put him in anything, and and you know, it's it's magic. Uh, and you know, uh, the whole uh, you know having uh, Jason Marston in, in here too was great. Uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, here in Indiana. Uh, that show made me a huge fan of, of him, uh, his, his character Dash X on that show. Uh, and then later on, uh, you know, Hocus Pocus. Uh, you know, I just, you know, it, it was just, uh, you know, an overall fun episode. I love the whole, like, like you know, you've got the wrong person. It's like, no, I don't. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's just a, a, a lot of fun. I mean, this, this episode... Uh, I mean, I, this is this is definitely one I suggest people to watch. It's 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 you know it's a good tale and it's 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 just fun. Um, Forrest, what did you think of it? Yeah, I have to agree with Matt. This is definitely one of the more fun episodes, especially you know with, you know, with Gilbert Gottfried uh, in there, as well as Ryan. Go you know, seeing Ryan Gosling, uh, you know, before he became before he was a name, along with Jay same with Jason Marsden. I also got to kind of get a kick out of when uh, he's looking up when uh, ooh, I, forget, I think it was right. Yeah, it was Gosling. He was looking. He was looking up the radio station on the web, and just seeing that browser, seeing that browser, like, yeah, internet back then, uh, or the fact that they're even listening. Yeah, I was like, wow, like how, how far we've come from that, and also even just well, even the fa even just like the fact that they're even listening to the radio. It's like nobody listens to the nobody really listens to uh, to the radio anymore. Like, I mean, nobody really, radio is not really. As a, a presence anymore, uh, so in that regard, it, it is kind of dated. It is kind of dated, but still, it, it's still interesting to see how far we've come from that. From how far we've come from all this, like from from the technology to Ryan Gosling and Jason Marsden being nobodies, uh, Gilbert Gottfried being at the same level he's always been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. Or, or even just seeing, or for me, for me at that time, just seeing Gilbert Gottfried in a role that wasn't that wasn't Iago in Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. I mean, I'm, I mean, it was it was more of a fun episode. It wasn't really a scary episode, but that that's the thing with Are You Afraid of Dark? Some are not so scary. It was like a lottery. What are yeah. you going to get? Are you going to get something scary? Are you going to get something mystery? Or are you going to get something that's just so out of the weird. park? So it's weird. Another thing with the, you know, with the format, the framing of, of the show, how each storyteller tells a different type of story is a perfect way to like get away with doing all the different like genre styles. Is like, oh, well, that's the kind of story that this person knows. So, uh, you know, I was on that, like the framing, it, it was really good. Uh, Randy, we haven't got to you. What do you think of this episode? I, I mean, I had so, to take this episode to think of you because I know you're a big Gilbert Gottfried fan as well. 
Oh man, I I love the man. I actually met him in the city once. I saw him walking on the so- on the street uh, near Union Square, and I actually got a picture with him. And he looks just like like a regular guy. And I, he he walks by, and I and I see this. He looks so familiar, and I'm like that can't be him. And it, it was. And uh, he he barely said anything. I said, "Can I take? Can I get a photo with you?" He's like, he's like he like mumbled, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna ask because because I because that because that voice because that you know he's you know he's, his voice is very distinctive. But before I understand, that's not his real voice. He's got a very quiet, like low voice, like really totally different from the crazy character that he usually plays. I uh, I saw David Bowie uh, at Roseland Ballroom. Uh, this was in the early two thousands. And I was waiting online to get in, and I saw Gilbert Gottfried just walking down the street, and he was just like, just like whatever, just like walking. And then he noticed a large crowd of people that were all looking at him, and all of a sudden he just started talking to himself, <laughs> like just very loud, like like what are you talking about? I don't know. He was like, like I guess some people wouldn't bother him, and it was like before people had like phones that they could like. Like hidden phones, it was. Just, I thought it was so funny. <laughs> I was just like, like, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah. Just being Gilbert. Yeah. But you know what? This episode, when I when I saw him show up, it's like, yes, thank you, Matt. Thank you for giving us this episode to talk about because, yeah, I'm a huge Gilbert Godfrey fan ever since Problem Child, obviously, um, and, and and everything he's done after that. Uh, but this episode is was actually pretty, uh, again, pretty deep because, you know, it deals with death and the afterlife. And, you know, I, I really respect any filmmakers um, or directors who present death to children, like in a story, to like introduce them to, you know, mortality. I think it's a that's a very brave thing to do for any filmmaker or director. So, I mean, I don't think this was the best. Like, I, I think the, the movie, the recent movie Soul does it a little bit better. But um, this is still a, a, a valiant attempt at uh, putting death on the table and just kind of educating kids about it. And then throwing Gilbert Gottfried in there and a, a prepubescent uh, Ryan Gosling, and you've got quite an episode. So I, I, this is one of the better ones for sure. Oh, definitely. And just you know, there's been like so many episodes that I had to pick, and I know we review we've seen so much more, but um, given with the time, um, I, I just want to we're going to be talking about a few. But I want to just say you know. Uh, just with DJ's resources for who he used, like for some that we haven't seen and they've grown up to be these big hits, like um, you could just pop, oh, he did this. You never thought that they would do this. Like Ryan Gosling did an episode. Hayden Christensen did an episode before he became Anakin Skywalker during... No, that was before episode two of Attack of the Clones that he did. The, the tale of Bigfoot Ridge. Way before... Or, or started filming, and then you, and then he, um, I think it was the. Uh, I forget there was one that he used in the the tale of uh, what DJ said in the tale of the carved stone. Um, he casted John White, who was also the original Riddler. Um. It was. Uh, was he the original Riddler? I think. 
Wait, are you thinking of Frank Gorshin? Frank Gorshin, sorry, sorry. Frank Gorshin. Also, also a mainstay on Twilight Zone. Yep. <laughs> they, they had him in an episode. I mean, I, these are just things that I never knew. I mean, I knew about, like, they did one with Hayden Christensen because I watched that. One with Will Friedle. I watched that, yep. too. Uh, Ryan Gosling, I knew that. And, I mean, the, it can... And also Tatiana Ali. Uh, the, these talents, you know, they started with, the, like, just, like, these one episode of shows, and they went on to big. So Are You Afraid of the Dark um, probably was their gateway to stardom in some ways. Even, even a couple of members of the Midnight Society went on to bigger things, like uh, Joanna Garcia... Uh, who played Sam? She went on to do, you know, star on. She went on to star in various movies and TV shows. She's now married to Nick Swisher. Um, uh, for any baseball fans here, Joanna Garcia. And, who did she play? Yeah, uh, she played Sam. She was uh, she was one of the members oh, of the Midnight right. Society in the last seasons. Yeah, and then uh, the and then uh, the and then the uh, the first revival had uh, Alicia Cuth uh, Alicia Cuthbert as she was one of the uh, Midnight Society. Wow. Definitely a springboard for these young emerging talents. Yep. You also had Jay Barshell. Yeah, Jay Bar. I'm looking through some of the guest stars. Jay Barshell. Yep. And uh, Jewel State. <laughs> and as we know for this, Are You Afraid of the Dark um, still lives on for this day. And even uh, for what DJ said, that these show, the show Are You Afraid of the Dark will live on. And it has. So recently, I'm going to be putting this brief, Nickelodeon decided to reboot Are You Afraid of the Dark, and starting with 2019, in a little bit of different concept. Um, it was kind of like, I mean, I, I just want to put, did anybody ever watch like the, the, the kind of like the miniseries from, from their second revival of The Tale of the Silver Sight, that whole where the Midnight Society was... Um, involved in trying to find the midnight, the charm of the silver site and destroy it. Forrest, do you remember that? Um, I have not. I have not gotten around to that one yet. I have not gotten around to watching the uh, the, the the latest the latest series. I have only watched one episode of the reboot. Um, I think they they came out with like a like a, either a mini series or an actual film. It's, like a TV it's a mini series. In 2019, yeah. they did their first miniseries. It was about like a haunted carnival. I mean, there was some kind of, kind of characteristics that was nice, and I'll put it out to you. But it, it didn't hold for what Are You Afraid of the Dark was was just about. And they did have like the kind of thing where they had the kids in the campfire tell a tale, and but then again, like it was all on the Midnight Society where everything was involved. With just the Midnight Society's telling that. And that's what, what that whole big carnival thing is. So it was like, okay, you know, I understand, you know, they want to do something different for whatever they're marketing kids. It's different for what it is. For, you know, at least, you know, it held out to, like, you know, the Midnight Society and the campfire. But then um, now it's going on with a mini series of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, the Cursed of the Shadows. I've already watched three episodes into it. Um, well, let me let me just say, and some things there have been some Easter eggs that they have pulled, but 
I have to say, whoever has done this writing is doing a terrible, terrible job. Because with the Midnight Society, one, I mean, they pulled like some things like they had like the the ghastly grinner and they, they popped up with like some Easter eggs, like they told like the tale of the Quicksilver and, uh, and, and they've used um, Sardo um, and the character Sardo in this. I'm not going to get into much of it, but where they did the Midnight Society meetings bothered the crap out of me. Because it was always to have it in a ring of a campfire. But no, they're in a house with like a little light. No, that's not the Midnight Society. No, the Midnight Society is you're gathering on a campfire telling a scary tale. And if that's not what you're doing, you are not the Midnight Society. Sorry, you're not the Midnight Society on this one. Children of the Midnight Society, it's, it's the way things are now. Their parents... Who hung out in the woods are now too afraid to let their kids even leave the house. Exactly. <laughs> I guess you're Hell right. Man, I have my kids play in the front yard. I'll sit in a chair on the porch and people look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, you let your kids out of the house? <laughs> You're going to get hurt. What if a car comes on your lawn? Like, you know, it's, it's you know, it's society we live in. You can't go in the woods and start a fire. <laughs> I'm surprised they're allowed to have that light. <laughs> I am sorry, but that's how I view the Midnight Society. In some things, you can change me. You can modernize things, I can get that. But some things are just hollow not to be changed. Things are just best not le just left alone. Yeah. <laughs> so with that instead, but... For, for what Are You Afraid of the Dark um, is to me, it's a great... I still watch them to these days, and it is going to live on. Um, just as much as it will live on with uh, the shows like The Twilight Zone. Um, this show is definitely, for 30 years, it's still living on quite strong. And to this, we pop the champagne. We salute to a toast to Are You Afraid of the Dark? To another 30 years strong. I'd like to thank my guest with me, the host of Under the Radar, Randy. Thank you for coming on. Anytime, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Also with me, Forrest Bennett. Forrest, thank you for coming on for this episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to finally to be to finally come on here. Oh, you're welcome. And also, uh, Matt Roan, the host of Cold Cafe, thank you for coming on as well. Um, always, it's a pleasure. Always. And don't forget, Unger the Radar is on Mondays on Manhattan Neighborhood Network at 11 a.m. And also with Cold Cafe with Matt. Matt, what do we have going on in Cold Cafe this week? Uh, oddly enough, uh, this Saturday night we're showing... Bad Medicine from 1985, which has a certain fellow we talked about uh, in the show today, Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> uh, you know, we got Steve Gutenberg, Gilbert Gottfried, uh, you know, uh, Marge Simpson herself, Julie Kavner is in, in, in this movie, uh, Julie Haggerty from the Airplane films. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fun one. Curtis Armstrong. 
So, uh, booger. <laughs> yep, booger. And also Snot from uh, American Dad. <laughs> Played both Booger and Snot. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> that, that's what we got coming up uh, this uh, Saturday, 9.50 in the Cult Cafe Not-So-Secret Society. Uh, oh. And, I, and I, got a lot of pro- I got a lot of stuff going on, um, but this week um, I will be on Under the Radar tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning uh, with Randy uh, talking about Coming to America, Cherry, and Test Pattern. And, and, <laughs> and Tuesday night I will be yes with Matt too, and and then on Tuesday night I will be on the Inside Movies Galore podcast, uh, and I'll be joining those guys to be talk. We'll be talking about Snowpiercer and Popeye. Oh, nice! Cool. In our month long theme of uh, non superhero comic book movies. Cool. Oh, very Snowpiercer nice. And Popeye in the same episode. That's uh, they're both comic book movies. I know. I love it. That's it's quite a jump, but I love it. <laughs> Please. Modern and uh, classic. Oh yes. Beautiful. In both aspects, Popeye, a classic film based on a classic comic, and Snowpiercer, a modern comic, turned into a modern movie, and then TV show. (laughs) And lastly, also please check out Unger the Radar, Cold Cafe, and for for all of our experiences. Coming up on Nostalgia Time uh, later this month is Game Show Month. We will be talking about some greatest game shows, mostly Nickelodeon game shows, Double Dare, Guts, Wild and Crazy Kids, Legends of the Hidden Temple, and Nick Arcade. Nice. Oh, and Matt, uh, one more thing for Under the Radar. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be celebrating International, Internet, yeah, International Tom Hanks Day, uh, and we'll be doing a few commentaries. Um, first one is with uh, two of you fine gentlemen, and uh, we're going to be doing uh, the Money Pit to kick things off. So, And after that, probably do uh, Castaway, followed by... Joe versus Volcano. So three very different uh, Tom Hanks films that really showcase his uh, diverse acting abilities. You've got you've got comedy, you've got drama, you've got adventure, and um, you know we all love Hanks. He's uh, America's sweetheart. He's our one of our favorite actors. So uh, we're going to be celebrating his big day. So that's International Tom Hanks Day coming up in the next few weeks. Yes, and I will be on uh, Unger the Radar for that, for the commentary of The Money Pit. So please check that out on Unger the Radar. So with this, I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. I am Kid Champagne Matthew Haberman. Kid Champagne signing off.